The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 154 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. Today, we are officially turning the page to 2023, and what better way to start than with an early 2023 mock draft of the first couple of rounds. We have two great guests with us today, but first, let's bring in my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, buddy? I'm a little disappointed. The Braves obviously no longer in the playoffs. It's been it's been a fun playoff though. I can't complain yeah. about what's happened. I mean, many people out there want to gripe about the the five game format, but it's baseball, man. It's it's great baseball at that. What we've seen looks like we're going to have the Yankees and Guardians go to Game Five, which is awesome. So, man, it's it's been a good one. I'm upset though, obviously the Braves. But it is what it is. Now I can have no rooting interest, enjoy baseball, and really focus in on fantasy for 2023. So that's exciting. Yeah, I know. I've already been gearing up for the postseason for a few months now. I knew the Red Sox were not going to make it by about June 1st or so. So it's been very easy to sit back and just watch all the games. It's been fun. Yeah, you got Phillies, kind of only team left out of the NL East. Who would have thought that with how the Braves and Mets kind of duked it out this season? Dodgers going down to the Padres in four games. It's it's been very fun, so got a lot more fun action to go. Let's bring in our guest now. Our first guest can be found over at RotoWire, where he is their senior editor, and also on the airwaves for RotoWire and on Sirius XM as well. Mr. Jeff Erickson joins us. Jeff, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. And you know, what day did the lockout end? Like March something? Or that that's when I knew the Reds weren't going to be in contention. <laughs> I can focus on my fantasy team. So uh, brutal. But yeah, I, it has been a fun playoffs. You know, I, I live out here in LA, and I've I used to be a Dodger hater because they grew up, you know, the old NL West is Reds and Dodgers in the NL West back in the day. And yep. now I don't hate them as much because I like a lot of the players. And I like Friedman. I hate the LA media, though. I hate like Dodgers <laughs> ownership for not letting me watch for six years. So I, I have mixed emotions about him getting knocked out. Like, I, I love Mookie Betts. Like, oh, it's, it's, it's hard not to love Mookie Betts. He's yeah. just a likable guy. Exactly. But uh, it has been fantastic to enjoy. I just... I like to see excellence rewarded and, uh, you know, the the Dodgers are new are like the new Braves and yeah, it's tough. Actually, the Astros could be that, too. I mean, six yeah. straight CSs now. I mean, that that's pretty darn impressive. I mean, I know that a lot is. of people hate them, but you got to tip your hat to them. Absolutely. Now, question for you, with you being a Reds fan living in L.A., how did that come to be? Did you used to like live in the 
Cincinnati area, but how, how did this so band up I, come to be? So I grew up in Indianapolis. My dad grew okay. up in Ohio. Reds were Indianapolis was a Reds farm club when I was a kid too, like the big red machine back in yep. the day. I saw George. They used always used to play an exhibition. Uh, George Foster hit a, a home run off the light tower out there. Saw nice. Eric Davis as a minor leaguer. Gone. And then I went. I lived in Chicago for about ten years. I've been out in LA since '99 though. Gotcha. Okay. I always like to like ask that question when people sure. are like have their favorite team, but they're like not anywhere close to them geographically. So. It's always, yeah. fun. it's always fun to get those backstories. All right. And last, but certainly not least, joining us today. Well, he might be least if he asks his other half. We have the man that created TGFBI, the owner of Friends with Fantasy Benefits, writer at Fangraphs, and of course, co-host of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. He is also the winner of the 2022 Laura Michaels Award, or is that 2021 award? I'm not sure what year they use uh, it was last last off season we'll say that please welcome mr justin mason justin what's going on man how you been i'm turning around and looking at my award and which i have prominently displayed behind me to see what year it says on it doesn't have a year on it so i don't know i'm just i'm just the current uh, there you go the uh, current reigning defending um, laura michaels award and, and probably the most important award i've gotten since coming into the industry it's something i hold near and dear to my heart uh is that laura michaels award laura and i were great friends and i owe a lot of my success in the industry to him i am also a, t- a fan of a team not in the playoffs However, I was rooting for anybody but the Dodgers uh, <laughs> and go. was rewarded last night because I do hate the Dodgers, unlike Jeff. So it, last night was a, it was a really, really good night. Put it on my projector in the backyard, watched watched the entire game and enjoyed the hell out of that. That sounds, that sounds fun, watching a game with the projector in the backyard. That mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of fun. And yeah, I can, I can, I'm with you there because I am a fan of anybody but the Yankees right now, being obviously a Red Sox fan so right now, currently a big Guardians fan. We'll see if they can knock them out. If not, I will be a big Astros. Oh, that's that feels bad to no, say. But... Gross, Did you just throw up in your mouth a little bit there? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I will say I don't hate the Astros. I think I, mean, I hate them a little less than the kind of general consensus, I believe. But yeah, it's like if I had to pick between Houston and the and the Yankees, I mean, I'd pick Houston just because I hate the Yankees. But I wouldn't feel it was like back when it was the New York Jets, Pittsburgh Steelers in like the 2010 AFC title game. And I'm a Pats fan, so I'm like. I don't want to root for any of these teams. So probably be a similar feeling there. You but. want to root for the asteroid, basically, is what you're saying. Here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But hey, that, that'll be a fun series. It'll be a fun series regardless. So I'm just I'm just rooting for good baseball at this point. That's all all I got left. So, but we are going to do a 2023 mock draft today. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find all of us on Twitter. Jeff is at Jeff underscore Erickson E R I C K S O N. Justin is at Justin Mason F W F B. Chris is at Rotoclag. I am at Eric Cross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both Chris and I and our YouTube channel for plenty of live video throughout the offseason and into 2023. And, of course, check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 baseball leagues are already open, and we have plenty of great content on HQ for whatever fantasy sports you're into. All right, gentlemen, let's get right into it. So we're going to do standard 5 by 5 Roto. You know, with average, nothing fancy here. Uh, we're going to do as many picks as we can in about, you know, we're going to keep it to under 75 minutes max here. We're aiming for 32 picks, but we'll see. Give you some you know, reasoning on why we're making the picks we're making. And we'll start with Jeff Erickson at one, then Justin, Chris, and myself, and then we'll snake after that. So let's start it up right here. Jeff, who are you taking number one? Well, see, I think first pick is actually kind of a curse right now. I, I'd, I'd be very happy at four. 
doubling up at four or five. I think because I, it's partially because I'm just indecisive a little bit right now. But I'm going to go Trey Turner. I don't know if he's going to land elsewhere. I think he probably will. I, I am a little wary of the big contract in a new environment. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I might backtrack on that as we get closer. We'll see where he signs. I just like that, you know, he's a five category guy. Obviously, the power stats are going to be a little lower. But you're also, you're going to make that up in runs, and you're and with the new stolen base rules, I think he's going to go nuts on the base path. Yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with Trey Turner. I agree with Jeff though this year. Like this is not the year if you do KDS in Kentucky Derby style drafting, where you kind of get to try to choose your own draft slot. This is not the year to draft one. Like I don't want. Like I, I want to yeah. draft like six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. and I'm really fine like in 15 team leagues drafting towards the back turn because I think that there is not going to be a clear delineation of talent for that you know first two or three picks. We're seeing a lot of Trey Turner go in early drafts, seeing a lot of Julio Rodriguez go in early drafts. Who I'm going to take with pick two though Ooh. is Jose Ramirez. Third base has a pretty big drop-off. You get five-category production from him. I mean, I would probably take Turner one, but I think Jose Ramirez is a pretty clear two. I'm not seeing him go there. I'm seeing him go as late as five, six, seven in drafts. So, like, give me that five, six, seventh pick this year because you're going to end up with a huge stud and then get an earlier pick in the second round. Yeah, you get to play the floor game with Ramirez. You don't have to worry about where he's going to be. You know he's going to do everything. I don't think the stolen bases will stop anytime soon. So yep. I, I love it. I love it there. I think he's a great target. I think, but then again, you look at Eric and Chris and what they're going to, they're going to get at three and four. You're like, Oh, well, <laughs> okay. But you know, it, it, that's, that's buttresses the point. Yeah. Right. There's so many good options. That's the thing. You almost want to be in the middle of the first round. Like just looking when I've been saying of my early rankings, the middle seems to be the ideal spot. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Aaron judge. It seems a bit risky to take him at three, but I think about obviously what he did and even the floor, like you think about what he, if he's not going to hit 62 home runs, again, we know he's not, but like what he did in 2021, he still hit 39 home runs with a 287 average. I don't think he's going to steal that many bases again, but you're getting to such a good average with the power, a lot of runs in RBI and he's even going to chip in some steals. Now the landing spot could definitely change this pick like he could it could change a lot with where i have him ranked and much like turner i have some question marks about the first year in a big contract and we've seen that a lot kind of recently with with these guys signing big contracts the first year can kind of be tough especially if it's a new place so with as things stand right now i'm comfortable taking judge here but that could change a lot throughout the offseason do you think he gets 500 million chris I don't. I think he gets four, but I don't think he gets five. Jeff, Justin, how about you? What do you think he, for the overall number, what do you think he gets? I think he gets short of 400 million. I think he stays with the Yankees. I'll say over four below five, but, and also Yankees. I, I, that's the question is like, who else is going to be involved in this? He's got to go back to the Yankees, right? I mean, it's a disaster for the Yankees if they don't bring him back. Yeah. 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 There's only a couple of teams. There's only like a handful of teams in baseball that can like get in the running for these guys. Like, you know, the Dodgers, obviously, they're always in everybody. You know, maybe Philadelphia, the Red Sox, some of the other the, – the Mets. I can see the Mets jumping in. Giants could afford it. Yeah, Giants could. Uh, I just don't think the Giants will do that. They have not seemed like the team that wants to spend a bunch of money right now. Are you going to put Aaron Judge on that team around? It? Like, I mean, it would be disastrous for his fantasy value. Like, <laughs> he could hit 50 yeah. home runs and only score 70 – or, you know, only have 70 RBI. Like, I mean – 
it could be just absolutely disastrous. I don't think the Giants will do it. I, I know there's Probably a lot not. of talk, and he's from the Bay Area. Well, from Sacramento. It's not really the Bay Area, but Northern California. I just don't see it happening. I, I think the Dodgers are you – know, Dodgers have a ton of money coming off the books. Like, the Dodgers want to make a play at Aaron Judge. I think that might be the only other place I can feasibly see him going other than New York. Yeah, that's probably it. For fantasy value, if he leaves New York, Boston I think would be great because obviously he could hit 70 over that monster. Mm-hmm. And I think Houston with that the Crawford boxes out there in left field, oh, my word. Put him in Houston for a full year. I think those would be two fun landing spots. But, yeah, he's probably going back to the Yankees if I had to bet money on it. All right, so that's to me with pick four. No big surprises with the first three. It's how I thought they would go. Maybe judge it too, but four or five. I'll go – I'm going to go Ronald Acuna at pick four. I think he's going to be – kind of like with Jose Ramirez, what Justin was saying. I have a feeling he's going to slide maybe to that five, six range in some drafts just because obviously with Jay Ram, the second half wasn't quite as great. And with Acuna, the overall stat line this year wasn't – it wasn't bad, but it wasn't you know Acuna-level production, but – I think once you get him further away from the knee injury and all that, get that ground ball right, you know, blow or get the launch angle back up. And the, the quality of contact was still very good. Hard hit rate around 50%. You know, he still stole 29 bags, elite sprint speed, all that good stuff. So I think you're, you're going to see him bounce back to being the Acuna that we expected, you know, that we saw in the past. So I'd be okay taking him in the middle of the first round. So I'll take him at four. And then I think I got to go Julio Rodriguez at five. Now we saw what he did in his rookie year, and I think that's just the tip of the iceberg with Julio Rodriguez. And maybe this might be a little high for him, but I'm fully a believer in the talent here. Elite quality of contact metrics already. You saw him go 28-25 and just 560 point appearances. Do I think he's going to go 25 again next year? Probably not, but even if you get 15-plus, 30-plus home runs, I think is pretty easy to pencil in there. You know, good average, good. You know, he'll probably flirt with 100 runs in RBI. I think that Seattle lineups will be pretty solid next year as well. So I think you're going to get a well-rounded five-category stud for, for the long term. So I will go Acuna four, J-Rod at five. That puts us back to Chris at six. I think he will run, by the way. I think he'll be pretty close. I think they shut him down after that injury. But we yeah. saw in the playoffs he was running again. So, yeah. I mean, I... I he, I mean, the, the ability is still there. He's not like he slowed down. I think they were just trying to preserve his health a little bit. I think he's got, you know, with the new rules especially, I think he's going to be able yeah. to run a lot. Now, wh- where would you go, Justin and Jeff, where would you guys feel comfortable taking Rodriguez next year? <sighs> Middle of the first, I think, is what I'm I'm going. I mean, kind of like 7, 8, 9 range. Yeah, because, I mean, now you're going to see teams get to see him a bunch. Like, right? Like, oh, Rookie years, usually followed by a little bit of a sophomore slump. He's so talented that I don't think he's like going to slump so bad that he falls out of you know first round contention or anything like that. But I just I, I feel like you have to regress him a little bit. I am a little concerned with how little he ran. I mean, if they if they want to preserve him this year, why wouldn't they want to preserve him next year, right? Like, well, he's coming off an injury season. though. I mean, I mean, I think it was just he had a present injury. That he was coming off of, and I think that's the difference. I'd probably take him six or seven. I, I, okay. I wasn't that far off. Okay, yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I think it's definitely obviously younger player, but all that talent. It's gonna be fun to see where he lands in drafts for sure. Yeah. All right, Chris, who you got at six? I am going with Kyle Tucker. I feel like Tucker's one of the safer bets to be a twenty-five, twenty-five player in the first round. And I know the average is a little lower than you'd like in the first round, but. I was doing some research on the shift and Tucker was shifted 91.4% of the time 
And his shifted BABIP was 247. Non-shifted BABIP, 457. And I know it's a smaller sample of, of non-shifted you know, at-bats and balls in play. That's still a pretty large differential. So I think we could see his batting average tick up to 270. I mean, I don't, I don't see why he couldn't. We've seen him in the past hit much higher than that. I mean, he's – I don't know. I, I really do expect that to tick up. The RBI are certainly there. And we probably see the runs tick up too, depending on where he hits in the lineup. I mean – he should be hitting towards the top of the middle of the lineup, not sixth or, or he, I know he's hitting fifth now some, but still like he should be in the two to three hole, you know, at worst, but you know, we, we can't really make that call, but I do think that Tucker's a pretty safe bet from a power speed standpoint. And I do think the average ticks up. So I'm pretty comfortable taking Tucker here and, yeah, you know, this may get, and I put out my top 15 earlier on Twitter and Tucker did get a little flat cause I had him fifth, but I just think he's one of the safer bets in the first round, and I want to get a, a higher floor player in the first and and not bank on volatility. That's a, that's a good pick. I would have taken Tucker if I was you as well. I love Tucker. Everyone knows I love Tucker. So, yeah, I, I love him there at pick six. As do I. I mean, Tucker is just, you know, a stud. Like, he just does it all. And yeah. that's what you want from a guy in the first round, right? And, and we're pick eight, so even in a 10-team, we're still in the first round. You want a guy who does it everything. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you get from Kyle Tucker. No complaints here. All, All right. right. Justin, who are you taking? I mean, I'm going to take the best player on the best team. That's Mookie Betts. You know, I just think, you know, again, a guy who does it all. I don't know why he isn't considered like a, you know, a potential top five pick this year. I think he's probably got one of the safest floors. You know, he's going to score a boatload of runs, get a boatload of RBIs, hit homers, steal base. Like he does everything. And he's just fun to watch. And I think, the one like thing about fantasy that we don't clue in enough is I want guys on my teams that I'm going to enjoy watching during the season too. And yeah. as much as I hate the Dodgers, I love <laughs> Mookie Betts. And so yeah, Mookie Betts, I'll, I'll take him right there. Yeah. I grimaced when you said that uh, <laughs> because I wanted him. even in a mock draft. That's just for a podcast. I still got a little <laughs> tilty. So yeah. Give me, give me Mookie all day there. Are you taking it in place of Mookie there, Jeff? You All get, right. You get the next two picks here. I have, I'm going to double up. I'm going to go with Dodger teammate Freddie Freeman. Another guy will benefit from the lack of shift. And give me Shohei. We'll go to – and he's going to be a hitter almost all the time for me. I'm assuming we're just going to operate under the – you get to use him one or the other every week. kind of. Like oh, yeah. Should have mentioned that, yeah. The FBI rules and things of that yeah. nature. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So we're assuming a yeah, weekly – yeah, Otani. Yeah. Dual Otani yeah. weekly, yeah. If, Traditional if got, yogurt rules. Yes, yogurt <laughs> rules. Thank you, thank you, thank you for popularizing that nickname there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think that he is. Yeah, I mean, and God, you know, if you get in, if you're in a best ball league, he's the one point one without a with a bullet. I mean, it's it's deadly obvious there. But yeah, give me Otani, and he's going to benefit. Contract your for Otani too, by the way. I think he made the argument that he is the he he should be the one one in every league. Like just because the ability to change yep. your team's makeup over the course of a season in a way like to, to move a guy from a top 10 hitter to a top 10 pitcher without having to make a trade or a pickup is right. huge. Plus you get another yeah. roster spot. Like, right. He is like, it's just, it's, it's insane. The value and probably a mistake on my part. I probably should have taken Otani with my I almost did. pick. Yeah. I almost did too. And I think I remember looking at the uh, Rasball player Raider and I think he was like 14th or 15th for hitter. This is overall, and mm-hmm. as the, as a hitter, and like around 30th overall, as a, not, yeah. not not 30th arm, 30th overall. So you're getting like two top 30 players. That, like you said, you can move them around. It's 
yeah, daily leagues, he's no doubt best ball, no doubt number one in all those formats. So, and, yeah. and you can you can make a case for him here too. Like, if if Jeff took Shohei Otani number one overall here, I wouldn't have scoffed at it at all. No, I think I think you can definitely make the argument. He just he the way it, the hard part is knowing when to use them, when and how to use them. And I know a lot of people don't want that headache, and so they won't draft yeah. him just because they don't want the headache. And if that's how you feel then don't take the headache. But I think if you, especially if you are good at optimizing your weekly lineups, there may not be a better player in fantasy baseball, even weekly leagues than Ozani. Yep, for sure. All right, Justin. All right. I'm going to go Juan Soto. Ah, I'll say what he'd follow to me. (laughs) I do like it. It's so hard because 2023 is going to be very similar to other seasons we've had in recent years in which we don't really know what the hell is going on with different aspects of the game, right? We've had COVID, dead ball, live balls. Like we've had, like, uh, you know, the grip, the spider tack grip stuff. Like every year seems like they're the throw us, you know, a curveball for lack of a better phrase. And this is going to be no different with a bunch of rule changes. So one of the things I really want to focus on in drafts are getting the best pure hitters I can, especially early on. Not worry, you know, stolen base numbers are going to go up or they might go down or are they going to do this? Pitching numbers are going to go up or they're going to go to pure hitters hit. And I want guys who are really good at getting on base and really good at making contact, especially in the zone. Juan Soto does both of those things. Maybe he steals more because of all the rule changes. Maybe he doesn't. But if he doesn't, I'm going to still be pretty happy with the production. You know, it's funny how often talk about the rule changes for baseball. Can you imagine if like other sports had as many rule changes as baseball? Let's say like the NBA. So let's say they kept like moving the three point line in and out. You know, something like that. It's like it's amazing how often baseball changes like especially the even just the baseball can you imagine like basketball changes the mentions or how much air was in a basketball or something like that it'd be insane only tom brady does that <laughs> hey 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 he might be a buck now but he's still my boy i do have a son i do have my son named brady not after tom brady but oh so tom brady gets you in the divorce giselle does. <laughs> yeah well wait a minute i don't know wait, who, who, <laughs> Oh, who would I pick? Like, would I go with Tom or would I go with Giselle? That's a hard choice. Got to go with Giselle. I mean, I think yeah, you think you got to go with Giselle. Yeah. That's a tough choice, but yeah, you got to go with Giselle. I love I love all the uh, Zach Zach what's last name Zach Wilson the Jets uh, quarterback. All those memes now that he's like, <laughs> hey, I heard I heard Giselle's available. But those have been pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. But all right, where are we in where are we in the mock? Whose pick is it? Oh, Chris. All right. Well. The top 10 picks went exactly, not exactly, but were my top 10 in you know some form or fashion. I'm going to deter a little bit because I honestly, when I did my rankings, didn't realize that Harper was going to start the year UT only. And he's he was my 11th guy, but I'm going to pivot and go Jordan here because Jordan is going to be outfield eligible. And while there still is a bit of injury concern, and, you know what he does, even even though he you know, he had a 561 plate appearances, you know 37 home runs, he gives you a 300 average, going to give you a ton of run in RBI. Everything across the board is just legit with Jordan. You, I mean, his average EV was 95.2 this year, which is just nuts. Like, I think it was the highest in baseball. I mean, what he does when he hits the ball is just incredible. And plus, he doesn't strike out a ton. You know, XBA was 329. Like insanity but i just think Joran's just one of if not the best pure hitter in baseballs like but he just has to stay healthy even if he gives me 550 plate appearances like i'm pretty satisfied with what you get out of him here 
Yeah, I was I I got sniped there. I wanted Jordan as well. So I'm gonna I I will go Bryce Harper here. And yeah, he does. I think he moves down a couple of spots due to like what Chris said. He's gonna be UT only, and who knows if he like, maybe he gets outfield eligibility back. Depends on obviously depends on your league whether you have you know like Yahoo. I know has lower eligibility thresholds. You know a little bit higher on like NFBC and fan tracks and whatnot. But even as let's say even as utility only player. You know, yeah, that's a little bit of a determinant, but I'm not scared to start out with the. I'm not saying Chris was, by the way, before anybody says that uh, to start out just in general. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like I would have been okay with the Jordan as a utility only last year. I think you know if you're comfortable with how you can build a roster, you can start with a UT only player, especially when it's Bryce Harper. I, I tweeted this out a few days ago that before you know when he came back from that injury, he wasn't really the same. But before the injury, he had a 318, 386, 599 slash line with a 650 plate appearance pace of 116 runs, 35 bombs, 113 RBI, and 21 steals as well. And he came off a great 2021 season. I think you're going to see, you know, assuming hopefully the elbow is okay. That's really the uh, concern here is that that elbow hitting into 2023. But I think there's no reason to think that he can't do that again. I think he's going to be a top 10 talent. And hopefully he gets off outfield eligibility. If not, you still have a great player in your lineup every day. So I will take Harper here and let's go ahead and take a quick break to get a read from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the performance package to join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off, and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED. It's time to get some new tools for your shed at manscaped.com. So we mentioned the Performance 4.0 package has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner, the Performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 has changed the game and is the greatest ball trimmer ever. Blown away by its performance and its craftsmanship, the fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof and has a 4,000K LED spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves. Because the trimmer's waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but Manscaped wants to take your grooming game even further with the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer which is also waterproof and provides the same proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts for you in the Performance 4.0 package, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. So bring your comfort in boxers to the next level. It's time to take care of yourself, get some new tools for your shed, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping worldwide using the code Toolshed. All right, welcome back from the break, Justin. I have to say that you were loving that ad read, weren't you? I, I don't know if there's ever been a more appropriately named podcast for that ad read. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, Dude, 
I was trying not to laugh because I heard you snicker in the background. I was trying my best not to laugh. And I had to I had to slide like I have like the two the split screen going on. I had to slide the ad read over so I couldn't see you laughing. So I could try to get through the read. I probably should have been a professional and put myself yeah. on mute to not no, distract it was great. you, but um, it was fantastic. Oh uh, yeah, no. So the fan, I mean You were uh, very professional, Chris. Well done. Yeah, I appreciate you it. you got a voiceover career if you want it. Yeah, that's why that's why Chris does the ad read, because I saw Justin laughing. I started laughing. Even I've heard Chris with the ad read like what, like I don't know, two a dozen lot. times now. <laughs> since we, I think we had them for as our sponsor since like I don't know July or whatever it was. But yeah, that was fun. All right, back to the mock. So I just so to recap the first twelve picks: Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, Aaron Judge, Ronald Cunha, Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Tucker, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. Shohei Otani, Juan Soto, Yoran Alvarez, and I just took Bryce Harper at twelve. I'm debating between two players here, but. I'll go a pitcher, even though next year I might wait a little longer on pitchers. I think there's going to be a lot of good values in the second, third round for pitchers. But right for this mock draft, I will go pitcher here, and I will go with my SP1 for 2023, and that's Corbin Burns. You look at, you know, there's a little bit of a slowdown down the stretch after the All-Star break. You know, he still had 397 ERA, so it wasn't like it was you know, Lucas Giolito terrible or anything like that, but obviously not quite what you would come to expect from Corbin Burns. But, hey, he was at the most innings of his career. I'm not overly worried about that whatsoever. Now, you look at since the start of 2020, he has the ninth most innings pitched, second best, or no, excuse me, the best ERA, second best whip, second best strikeout rate, and tied for the best strikeout minus walk rates. You know, the one thing that was kind of holding him back, like, all right, he doesn't have the innings of like a Cole or someone like that. He had over 200 innings this year. I think he had more innings than Garrett Cole. Yeah, there's not a clear-cut number one pitcher. I think you know McClanahan's in that mix. DeGrom's in that mix, depending on how risk-adverse you are or how much you know, we won't go after that upside with him. But I think combining safety and ceiling, Burns is my SP1, and I think I'd be okay taking you know him or any other pitcher at the back end of this first round. So pick 13. I think that's a good spot for him. So I'll go Burns here, and that goes back over to who's not next up here? Oh, Chris. Yeah, it's interesting to see how pitchers will fall this year. Yeah, you know, there's for sure. A, there's a good first tier of guys that I think you can get a good arm in the second, but I'm not opposed to, to getting Burns there. I think you're going to have to take him there to get him, maybe even earlier. But yeah. I'm going to pivot and go to a position that I think's pretty shallow at third base and take Manny Machado. Machado's just been pretty consistent year over year. Beyond just the performance, he stays on the field, which is you know a huge aspect of getting that playing time. And he still chips in some steals. The power's there. Like he's a pretty safe bet to give you, you know, close at least 30 home runs and you know close to 10 stolen bases. Plus the average. He's you know kind of up and down. It's kind of been an every other year thing for him. So maybe next year's the year the batting average is down, but you don't know, but even still, I think 280 is a safe bet with Machado. This year, he gave you a hundred plus run and RBI in that lineup. That's only going to be better now with when Tatis gets back and only have Soto for a full year. That lineup's going to be deadly, and Machado hitting, you know, in the heart of that order is going to give you a a ton of you know counting stats there. So. Third base shallows out quick, and there are a lot of good third basemen that you can take in these first couple rounds, I think. But the fact that Machado is still going to steal some bags is a reason that I will take him here. Yeah, I, I had two Machado tweets over the last couple of days. The one earlier today was about his durability. Since the start of 2015, he's second in games played by a couple behind Paul Goldschmidt and first in plate appearances. 
and he's played in 100 and, excuse me, 1,156 of 1,194 games since the start of 2015, which is 96.8% of his team's games. Yeah, I think he's one of the safer bets to return, like top 25 value year in, year out. And yeah, I want to see what a full year of him, Soto, and Tati, or well, 90% of a year <laughs> when Tatis gets back. But you know, I mean, you know what I mean. But yeah, right. I think, and even with just Soto, you could hit Machado's RBI pace. I had a tweet about that. I can't find it right now, but I think he had his RBI pace before they got Soto was like, you know, 97, 98 over a full season with Soto was like 132, 133. And that was with Soto having only, I think it was like a 385 OBP, which obviously is low for Soto, put Soto at 450 OBP, put protection behind him and Tatis. Machado literally could drive at 150 next year. I think that's within the realm possibility. That's a lot, obviously, but. With Soto in front of you, Tatis behind you, I think it's possible. So, yeah, I love Machado here. Yeah, he totally wrecked his ankle and only missed 12 yeah. games this year. I mean, that, that was – He was a stud all around. Yeah, and, he, he, and, you know, he was compromised for a little bit when he came back, and then he just caught fire and carried that team when others, when Soto in particular, was slumping after the trade. It was Machado every day showing up and being that one threat. Yeah, I, yeah, I love the pick. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I'm going to follow it up with another third baseman. I'm going to take Bobby Witt Jr. At least – Dude went 20-30 in his rookie year. Like, that's that's insane. I don't care what the batting average is. Like, and it's not bad. It was like 250-something, right? So, it's fine. Like, but 20-30 from a rookie, like, in a bad park, on a bad team, like, I, I think he's just an absolute stud. And uh, I think he's probably going to be a first-round pick in most leagues. He falls just outside of that if this was a 12-team league. But right there, right there on the cusp of the 15, I just think he's... You know, makes pretty decent zone contact for a guy who swings a lot and will swing out of the zone at times. But yeah, I mean, I think Bobby Wood Jr., second or shortstop in third base eligible, give me that all day. He was the other one I was debating. It was him and Corbin Burns. I was hoping Wit, I was like, there's a better chance Wit follows in my next set of picks than, than Burns. But yeah, I think people, they ding the average, but I'm like, people are also thinking, like, is he not going to get better in the second year? He showed more patience in the minors. He showed more power in the minors. And he also went on a little power outage into the year. I don't think he had a home run the last, like, what, 30 or 25, 30 games. So, yeah, up-and-coming Royals lineup, I think it's going to be stinky good next year. Full year of Vinny P. I think you could see him 260 to 270, you know, 90-plus RBI, 90-plus runs, 25-plus home runs, 35 steals. I think that's definitely in the possibility, and that's – that's a first-round talent all day right there. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Wood. I think he's going to be a good, slightly good value pick next year, I think. So, all okay. right, who's who's up now, Jeff? I got two here. So, yeah, third base. And I have to kind of be aware of positions. Like, Trey Turner is no longer second base eligible, so I only get him at shortstop. I've already yeah. tied up my UT, and I've got a first base. So I kind of have to be aware of that a little bit there. I will go with another third baseman there. You know, I, I, speaking of a slight value pick, give me Raphael Devers here for one of the two. I don't like what happened in the second half, but I think we can kind of write off a little bit of that because of the general malaise of the team. And Absolutely. I don't think that's going to be present. And then I'll just give me the guy that's always steady every time. And that's Garrett Cole. He's, he's right as rain. I mean, he, he wasn't the, he's never, he wasn't the SP one, but you're not going to, when you're taking a pitcher in the first or second round of a draft, you just want to make sure you're getting you're, you're holding serve, and you know you're getting that with Cole. Yeah, for sure, and, and definitely with, with Devers too. I being a Red Sox fan and watching all these games, most of the team checked out last, especially the last like month or two when they went on that losing streak, didn't perform well after the trade deadline. 
a lot of the team checked out. So, yeah, I think Devers will be a good value next year because he's still one of the best hitters in the game, in my opinion. So I like that pick, too. Yeah, I, I do as well. I also like the Cole pick. It's interesting. So my co-host, Paul Sporer, you know, on the sleeper and the bust, he, he's like almost through his first draft of the year, and I just started my first draft of the year. In neither of our 15-team draft champions league did a pitcher out, outside of Shohei Otani go in the first round, which is in- Really, or I think there was one that maybe went 15th in mind, but that's pretty interesting. I think it has a lot to do with there's going to be a lot of dissension among drafters this year on who the number one guy is, or who are the top two guys, or even the top yeah. five guys. And it's I think people are going, well, I can still get one of my top five guys later on. And for those who don't play on FBC, and FBC historically has you know three, four, or five pitchers go in the first round of leagues, especially draft champions leagues where guy like you need guys who are going to give you a lot of innings early on so it's been surprising to me but with that being said i'll take shane mcclanning in here who's my number two starting pitcher this year same here uh, yep. and just i mean dude it's just filthy just absolutely filthy sometimes when i'm watching a pitch i do not know how hitters even like see the ball come in much less take a swing at it and i just the upside is immense you know it's great to see him finish the year strong and on the mound after having kind of that weird shoulder thing that happened kind of late in the season but I think he's. I think it's about as money as you can get after Corbin Burns. So for me, the the shirt, the shoulder thing is the thing that scares me a little yeah. bit. I probably would need him to go at the end of the second round, like round twenty five to thirty, for me to take the plunge on him because just because of the risk. I understand the upside's super awesome there, and he, he's a great pitcher. I just the Rays also have had their share of pitcher injuries, starting pitcher injuries, and I just have that that weird, you know that that wary feeling when I when I look at him a little bit there because of the shoulder problems. That's fair. And I, I may end up dropping him because of that. Right now I've got him too, but we still got a lot of draft season. Like I still got a lot of digging to do, but I, I totally understand. Like especially when you're drafting early for those of you who are degenerates like me, <laughs> you want to draft as injury averse as possible because there's just so much time between now and the start of the season, much less the entire season. So yeah. if, if it scares you to draft a guy who had any sort of issue, then just stay away from it and draft the next guy. Sure. So do you, are you worried, Justin, about using up your league limit this early? <laughs> I have no league limit this early this year, which is beautiful. My my league limit was initially started with a Rob Silver in First Pitch Arizona, which I'm hoping all you guys are going to this year. Oh yeah, yep. uh, and if you're yeah. listening, you should still go. It's it's beginning of November. Absolutely. It's gonna be absolutely a fantastic. But Rob owes me dinner. I will be I will be <laughs> taking he will be taking me out to dinner in Arizona. And uh, my wife said uh, after she beat me in TGFBI that I could just do whatever the hell I wanted with my leagues this year. Uh, putting a league limit on me apparently led to my worst season as a fantasy player in the twenty something years I've been playing fantasy baseball. Yeah, t- take that restrictor plate off. Just let let you go <laughs> all out. Now, is Danielle coming to first pitch as well this year? She absolutely is. Nice. She's very, very excited. She's actually going to like go to all the panels this year. Like last time when she went, she just she was like, "Oh, I'm going to go lay down by the pool or go get a massage while you do all these panels." But I've I've got to I got to talk to the baseball HQ guys and get her registered because she's gonna she's gonna be a full on participant. She had a really good fantasy season. She actually won some DFS contests too. Like I've turned her from a person who hates fantasy baseball because I play it too much into <laughs> a full on degenerate. There you go, Atta boy. Yeah, out of boy, absolutely. All right, who's up now? I I lost track. It's back to me. Oh, you okay? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I'm going. I think this guy may be go even later than this. I think people may be disappointed by a season. That's Bo Bichette, who 
Stop sniping I, me, Chris. <laughs> it's it's. I think it's hard to be disappointed in what he did. You know, despite him obviously not producing like he did last year, still hit 24 home runs, stole 13 bags, and hit 290. And you know, he kind of was slow out of the gate, but from May 1st on, he, he hit 303. 22 of those home runs came from then and 10 stolen bases. And Bichette was just pretty solid all around. Obviously, you, you would have liked more stolen bases, especially considering where he was drafted last year. But I think we can expect that to return a bit next year, especially in the stolen base environment that we're going to see. I wouldn't be surprised to see him push back towards 20 stolen bases. We know he can you know approach 25 home runs. And there's durability. He's played 159 both in 2021 and 2022. 690 played appearances and 697 this year. So you're getting volume. And even though, you know, on a per plate appearance basis, he may not be the best, that volume play is absolutely a success when you look at what he's done. And volume matters. So, you know, he's getting plenty of hits, putting them high batting average up over, you know, a ton of plate appearances. I think that he's going to be even better in 2023. I totally agree. I'm hoping people look too much at the overall stat line and kind of like forget how good he was both in 2021 and in September where he was, it was basically mm-hmm. judge and then him in terms of a fantasy value. And, you know, Eloy Jimenez was up there as well, but yeah, Bo Bichette still all around stats. I, I love getting Bichette in this range and I would have taken him next. So now I got to pivot a little bit and, but this, I'll go with this teammate. And this pick is hopefully going to silence the Eric hates Vladimir Guerrero Jr. crowd that seems to be growing by the day on Twitter. Just because I think Jordan Alvarez is better than him, that means I apparently hate Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But I think he's a good value pick right here. I know I was talking with Justin about this earlier when he sent me your team, and he, you got him at what pick like 17, 18, mm-hmm. whatever it was. I think this is a fair, I think he'll fall on like that 16 to like 21 range. I don't think he'll fall too much further. And what pick is this? We're at, oh, we're at 20 right now. So yeah, I think this is a solid range. For him, like, like I mentioned, I do believe 2021 was slightly aided by him hitting in Dunedin and Buffalo, where he combined for 21 home runs and an 828 slug over 44 games. And this is not sustainable, but still, he's still obviously very, very, very good. Look at what he did this year 274, 32 home runs, 97 RBI, 90 runs scored, and somehow, some way, added eight steals in. So if he's even adding, you know, five, six, seven steals, and who knows next year with the the new, the new rules and bigger bags and whatnot. Maybe he can stay at that eight range. I don't think that's too crazy to think about. And if he gets that launch angle back up a little bit, you know, it was 4.3 degrees this year. Ground ball rate went back over 50%. If he can kind of correct that back, I can see him getting up near 40 home runs. Like it seems like 30, like a 270, 30, 90, 90 is basically his floor with obviously upside for more. Maybe he's adding this a little bit of stolen bases. Like I said, that's just a little bit of sweetener too. So I will take Vlad Jr. here. And then I'm going to go with another third baseman, kind of continue that trend of the last handful of picks, and go Austin Riley from the Atlanta Braves. You know, I think last year when he initially broke out, people were like, all right, can he maintain a you know 270-plus average? And he hit 273 this year, 272 for his career overall in nearly 2,000 plate appearances at this point. So do I think he's hit over 300 again like he did last year? No, but 270, 280, definitely possible with look at his metrics. Quality of contact is superb. 15-7 barrel rate, 50.8% hard hit rate, nearly 40 bombs, 93 RBI, 90 runs. Won't add any steals, but just a elite three-category guy and pretty solid in average as well. And decent OBP too, so if you play in that format, he's a good value pick here in the second round as well. So obviously Atlanta's lineup is going to be 
very good. You know, you get maybe get Acuna better next year. You get a full year of Michael Harris. You know, maybe Matt Olson can rebound a little bit. I think so. We obviously have a very good lineup around him too. So I feel, I feel like he's pretty safe here at this spot. All right, Chris, back to you. Yeah, I love Riley. I, I mean, I think he is who he is. Like, I don't think there's any, yeah. no reason to doubt him at this point that he's a 275 hitter that can hit 35 plus bombs consistently. But I'm going to go to the pitching well, and Sandy Alcantara is the pick. I mean, I think he's easily in this conversation for best arm. And over the last three years, 274 ERA. This year, obviously, Cy Young caliber year, 228 ERA, sub one whip. 228 and two-thirds innings just blew every single pitcher out of the water as far as innings, and he went over 200 as well after the shortened 2020 season, which was impressive. So two straight years over 200. The durability, the ability to pitch deep in the games, the ratios you're going to get, and while he doesn't provide the elite K rate, you have to make up for that later taking him here, but the ratios and just the innings he provides are going to give you such a good ratio floor. So yeah, I'll be happy to get Sandy Alcantara here. And while he does have like a league average K rate, he still finished. I think it was either seventh or eighth overall in strikeouts. So yeah. the can't, really, can't really argue. You said he, I think he had, was it 20? He was at 220 and two thirds. I think second was Aaron Nola at 205 innings. So like you said, massive gap in terms of he was going to go in seven, eight innings every outing. He's probably, I, th- I think you can make an argument he's the safest arm in all of baseball. I think you can make that argument. If someone took him number one overall, in terms of pitchers, I don't have any argument with that either. I think it's so close between him, Burns, McClanahan, and and Garrett Cole, maybe Jake yeah. DeGrom. You want them in there? So this, I won't really scoff at any of those guys going as the first pitcher off the board. To be honest with you, I saw Sandy go one-one in a best ball. That that's that a bit, a <laughs> that's a little bit interesting. Yeah, but I, yeah. I can't argue with him being the first arm though. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think you can make. I think this is the reason why we're seeing. Uh, pitchers drop in some of these early drafts already is just because yeah. there is no consensus and you can make the argument that a guy like uh, Alcantara can be the top overall pitcher in terms of uh, on your draft board so makes a lot of sense oh man I really want to play in a four-man league because there's just so many good options this league the draft. <laughs> you found your sweet spot yeah right. right this is this is it I can definitely finish in the top three in a league if there's only four competitors. So Care, uh, careful, you, you're you're providing fodder yeah. for your fans there. Right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I, I know it's a. I know we're we're like drafting like a regular league. This is an NFBC. I'll still take Edwin Diaz just because saves I think can be a nightmare. I don't I don't know where he's going to end up pitching next year, but wherever he is, he's going to be the closer. You get a lot of strikeouts, and as Eric is miming right now, you also get the trumpets, which again I absolutely love it. Yeah, that is not the song but that that was close enough so yeah give, give me edwin diaz i want an elite closer especially if you're doing early drafts you know one of the things we saw last offseason was just like a lot of craziness in terms of like who's going to be a closer who's not guys getting traded guys getting you know signed late and while there wasn't like this crazy amount of turnover necessarily this year from some of the more established guys outside of like Chapman, if you're drafting early, there's going to be things that happen and move around. And so if you're drafting early, I, I want to take a closer early to make sure I've got a lockdown guy. Can I just say how happy I am? Where we're going to have a normal spring training and a normal start yes. to the season. I'm um, so happy. We, what, we haven't had that since 2019. Well, yeah, 2019 really was the last uh, normal. Well, yep. 2021 kind of, well, Nope. Was it? No, it wasn't. Nope. It was so, yeah, coming off a shortened season. Yeah. So 2019, it's been a few years. Yeah. Our data sets are just 
screwed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, pretty they're much. Just, yeah. they're, they're terrible. I started in the industry in February of 2020. So like, it's just been a total, Oh Jesus. <laughs> it must be my fault. Well, that, that was like back when uh, me, Jake Devereaux and Jesse Roach started the five tool podcast. We had, we were planning it. You know, we, I met Jesse down at the first pitch, Florida, you know, then I added Jake, we were planning it. And then like, we were getting ready to record. And then it's like, that's when the world shut down. We're like, mm-hmm. do we still do it? Like, yeah, let's still do it. But like, it's kind of a weird time to start a podcast right as the beginning of the COVID pandemic. It's, it's when everybody out. started a podcast. Is right yeah, like, pretty yeah. much, yeah. <laughs> and the number of podcasts exploded over the last two years. I'll mm-hmm. just show my age. My first fantasy baseball year was 1994, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, season canceled by the strike, so that was, that was useful. Your, fir- your first year playing or your first year in the industry? First year playing. We launched in 90s. We launched the company. Actually, no, that's not true. First year playing. Well, first year playing baseball. I did basketball and football first, believe it or not. But first year that we started was January 97. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, 20, 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty. It's a, been a fun ride. It's been awesome. Two picks here. Old and boring. Well, maybe not boring, but Mike Trout. As basic as you get. Uh, and I then, almost took him last time. I, I almost did. And you mentioned the name earlier, but give me Jake, uh, Jacob DeGrom. I'll, I'll roll the dice here because he could be the 1.1. Mm-hmm. Absolutely could be. <laughs> yeah, DeGrom, DeGrom's very tempting. And like, it's interesting because like, I don't know, remember how many haters there were on Mike Trout at the beginning of the season? And I, I have not heard from them. They're pro- probably still crying over their Byron Buxton shares that they were taking victory laps <laughs> on in, in May. But uh, yeah, Trout, Trout ended up being Mike Trout once again this year. So, Wait, are, are you calling out one particular person with that? I feel like you are. No, no, I'm calling out a lot of people. There were a lot okay. of people taking very early <laughs> victory laps in, in April and May on Byron Buxton. And, and there were a lot of haters during draft season on, on Mike Trout, including one of my co-hosts who shall remain nameless for I this segment. That is. But they're very quiet now, and that's okay. But let's is, see, is uh, he poor for the effort, or is he, or is it collect calls, or is it, you know, let, let, let's, let's name <laughs> names here. <laughs> no, it's it's the other one. It's it's Mr. McDonald. Was oh, okay. Okay, big, okay. Big trout fan. So, yeah. all right, let's see. And again, so many good guys still to choose from here. You know, it's screw it. I'm a Cedric Mullins guy. There were a lot of people who were yelling about Cedric Plant Mullins. That flag, baby. Cedric Mullins <laughs> is going to regress. I'm seeing him going late third, fourth rounds of 15 team drafts right now. Why do you, why does everybody just not believe in Cedric Mullins? I mean, he continues to just produce. The Orioles are only going to get better and better as these young players on this on this team kind of mature and progress. Yeah, I think he's a pretty easy, you know, 15-30 guy at the top of what is becoming a better and better lineup. So give me a Cedric Mullins. Yeah, it's funny people are fading him after the season. Like I'm not sure what people did people expect another 30-30 season? Like the the rarity of that and I think what he did this year at 1634 with a 260 average is it, you got what you paid for. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I also like the Baltimore lineup a lot next year. Oh, you yeah. know, getting getting a full year of Adley, full year of Gunner. You know, Santander, I think, is very underrated as well. He had a very good second mm-hmm. half of the year. I think this would be like a, yeah, maybe a top 10 overall offense. I think they can get up to, up to that range. So, yeah, I like Mullins in this spot too. All right, well, I'm going to the first base well with Pete Alonzo. I think he's proven at this point that he's worthy to be a second rounder. Just the consistency with the power. He's improved his contact skills every season. It's just been impressive to see. The zone contact was up to 88% this year. Hit for 271 batting average with 40 home runs. 131 RBI. Like, that's just helps carry you in that category. 
plus he was he scored 95 times, even chipped in five steals. I don't expect him to steal any bases, but even if he gives you three to five, like that's more than a zero. And at first base, that's solid. I think we can expect 40 home runs from him and just good numbers across the board. So Alonzo has pushed up to the second round range for me, and I'll gladly take him at 27. I actually think this is the bargain of the draft so far. I, I've seen him go in some DCs in the first round. It's just, there, you know, people don't like taking early first baseman. They right. don't want to take someone that doesn't run. He didn't even get you, he even gave you five stolen paces last year, too. Yeah, so it, it wasn't, wasn't a zero, zero there. Yeah. yeah. Great lineup. Yeah, I think this is very good call. Again, if I'm not, if I were more carefree about my positions, I probably would have taken him previously. <laughs> It's funny. I, I, it's weird to say that a 40, 130 season flew a little bit under the radar, but with what Aaron Judge was doing on yep. the other New York team, I feel like it kind of did. Like he led the National League in, with 131 RBI. He had 40 home runs. I think he showed like 92, 92 runs. It's for a solid average. Won't kill you there either. So, yeah, I love Pete Alonso. I, I think that there are a lot of really big seasons that went under the radar, especially big power seasons that went under the radar because Judge was so good and taking a lot of the he- headlines. Like, like people aren't talking about the fact that Kyle Schwarber had like 46 home runs. Like I just, right. you know, I mean, there were some really great seasons this year that just went seemingly unnoticed on, on big market teams. And I think Alonzo is a really, really great example of that. I think it's a great pick. And Schwarber stole 10 bases, too. Yeah. That's the thing that's, that's quite wild. I just he hit 218. That's the reason why he yeah, gets a little yeah. bit of push down there. Yeah, that's the reason why he's not being discussed in this podcast or even close to it. Do you think he's a top? He's got to be a top 100 pick, though. Where, where do you think Schwarber goes? Oh, easily. Like, top like, 50, yeah. You think he's top 50? 50? Yeah. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable. I think he will go there. I don't what, Would you feel comfortable taking him there, though? Given, given that lower floor he's shown, with the, especially with the average? In, I, in feel, the, I feel like cl- closer to 75, I'd feel comfortable, personally. In, in the draft I'm in right now, he, he went seventh pick of the fifth round. That's so, 15-teamer, so that's... Yeah, 60, it's 15-team, 67. So 67. Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's that's fair. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I don't hate that. I probably still wouldn't. I don't know. I'm, I'm I, think, I, think it really, I think it really depends on how you've built your team. Like, have you, yeah. have you already built your team, like, with a really strong average base? Like, it makes a lot of sense, then, to go after a guy like like Schwarber. So, but if you, if you've already taken guys that maybe have some fluctuation batting average, like you've taken like, let's say a Bobby Witt Jr. Like we don't know what Bobby Witt Jr.'s floor or ceiling is in terms of batting average. Like, can you really pair him with a guy who's definitely going to drag your average down in Schwarber? Probably not. You know, I think it, it, he's going to be one of the bigger variance players in drafts. I mean, you could go sure. as early as 45. You could go as late as 85. Yeah. That, that, mm-hmm. that min max range is going to be pretty, pretty wide. All right, I'm going to go with another guy whose season went completely under the radar because he didn't play at all this season. I can't not let him go in the in this draft. I know he's probably the highest risk player that would be taken in the first two rounds, but I was talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. in case anyone hasn't caught on yet. But you look at with the postseason games counting towards his suspension, he missed the final 48. He had 80 game suspensions. That leaves 32. They've already three game series with the Mets, four game series with the Dodgers. That's up to fifty five. Even if he, even if they get swept, which is unlikely, but even if they get swept in the NLCS, so that'll be fifty. Was that fifty nine games? So he only missed a max of twenty one games next season. And obviously, he has one one overall upside. I'm hoping that this year was a learning kind of learning year for him, learning curve not to do all the kind of stupid crap he's done off the field and kind of risk his on-the-field production. And we've seen he he did 42-25 last year in 130 games. If you get 
he he only plays 140. Maybe he only plays 125 of that. I think you still get top 30 production from him. I think he could go 40, 40, 25 again, just 120 games. He's that good. I want to see where he ends up. I think it's going to be a wide range. I think that min-max range on him will be pretty vast as well. But if, if he's there on the board around, where are we at? Pick yeah, 28, I think I'd be up to take him. I want to see what you all think about that. Where would you feel okay taking Tatis next year? He went 28th overall in the draft and currently in. Look at that, um, on the nose. To to our, our friend Zach Waxman. Yeah, Zach. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think especially, like you mentioned, the longer the playoffs go for the Padres, the less right? games he's suspended for. I would not be surprised if he's a first-round pick in a, in a lot of drafts. Right. Because people are going to be like, well, I'll just get replacement value until he's back. He's back in two to three weeks. And then I've got a, you know, a potential top five pick on my team. I think they're still discounting the fact that he's had like multiple major injuries uh, recently. I know he got the shoulder fixed. I know he got the wrist fixed, but I think, I think there's a a few more question marks in terms of what we can expect from a full season of Tatis in 2023. So for that reason, I'm probably not in on a top two round pick this year, but I totally understand why people are. Yeah, drafting now versus drafting in late March are two different stories with Tetis. Yeah. You know, if he's killing it in spring training, he looks fully healthy and the shoulder's holding up, okay, great. But there's a lot of unknowns right now, especially because most of the drafts that we're doing right now are not free agent drafts. They're they're like draft and hold type of formats mm-hmm. there where you, you can't really find the replacement value as readily. So I'd be more hesitant. I'm probably waiting till the end of the third and a 15-teamer. Yeah, and if they go, let's say they go seven games and win the NLCS and go seven games in the World Series, he's only missing, quick math, I think 11 games next yep. year. How do you guys so, feel about that, by the way? What, the uh, postseason the games? Ca- you counting against his suspension. I think it's fair. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm impartial to it. I don't have any strong. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. It's because I think he would. Would he be playing right now? Would they say he would have been back if he wasn't suspended? Yeah, right. I think yeah, he was he was on his rehab assignment. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, so and then, he, he but would, then he had the surgery after that. So then, yeah, I think it's just, fair as long as they just remain consistent with it and do it this way moving forward. Don't just jump around to whatever they feel like doing. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it in general. I don't have any huge issues with it. Yeah, me neither. I, you know, I, I think it's these are the games that the players really want to play. Like the like for him, like this is a real punishment that he's missing time right now as opposed to missing time, you know, at the beginning. Like, who, like, do you think he cares about not playing in April? No, he'd much rather be playing in October than playing in April. So I, I think it's completely fair. And as a fantasy manager, I hope the Padres play a seven-game series and a, <laughs> another seven-game series in the in the World Series. So that way, Tatis is back on the field as early as possible because I think baseball is better when he's out there smiling and, and throwing bats. 100% agree. 100% agree. All right, I am... Very split on who this would be my last pick of this mock draft pick 29. Very, very split on this. I'll go. I'll go Michael Harris here. 19 home runs, 20 steals, and just 441 play appearances. He was on right around a 30, 30 pay. I think it was like 29, 31 pace this year. Hit 297. Similar to Witt, didn't walk a whole time, but he showed a little bit more patience in the minor leagues. I don't think he'll ever be a big walk rate or a huge OBP guy, but I think there's some improvements to be had there. You know, solid quality of contact metrics as well. 10.1% barrel rate, 45-1 hard hit rate. Doesn't strike out or whiff too often. If you can get that ground ball rate up, which is around 56% this year, I think you can absolutely see him maintain that 
you know, maybe a 30, 30 pace next year, hitting near the top of a good Atlanta lineup, even, even with some regression, maybe, you know, pitchers figured him out average drops a little bit. I still think, you know, 270, 280, 25 plus home runs, 25 plus deals, I think is pretty solid outcome here for a guy. You'll take it right around the pick 30 mark. So I'll go Harris here for my last pick. All right. I, this is what I don't get. Like, this is like, and, and Chris, I know you're the Braves fan, so you'll probably yell at me. Like, I've now seen him go in the second round of multiple drafts this year. And, like, how do people hate on Cedric Mullins, but completely buy into the Michael Harris? Oh, I agree. Uh, kind of break I agree. Out? Like, I'm not, I, I, I don't think Michael Harris is this good. Like I, I don't like, I, th- I do think he's good. Like I thought, I don't think he's going to be a wasted pick or anything like that or a complete bust like that. You know, this was a flash of the pan or anything, but like the idea that he's going in the second round and we're still able to get like guys like Cedric Mullins and Ro- Randy Rosarena, like in the third, fourth rounds, like to me is just mind boggling, like strange. I just don't get it. Now I have a question for you, Justin. And I totally agree with what you said. Obviously if you're in on Harris, you should be in on Mullins. 100% agree. But as someone, I know you've been a big Mullins guy, and you were in on Mullins last year after his breakout 2021. Why aren't you in on Harris this year? I do worry about like how much he swings outside of the zone. I think the contact skills are, are fine. Like I don't, I don't think they're elite or anything. I, and I do think there's going to be some regression, especially in the batting average department. And then I wonder in the power too. I also. Like, where does he hit in the lineup? Especially, I assume they're going to bring back Swanson. It would make a lot of sense. Albies will be back. I think there's just some questions that maybe that I didn't have necessarily with Cedric Mullins coming into the year. We knew Cedric Mullins was going to lead off. We knew he was going to play every day. I mean, I think with the contract, Harris is going to play every day. But we've also seen the Braves be willing to put anybody in the seven hole for some reason and not True. necessarily put their best guy in the, the one, <laughs> two, is, three hole. Chris is smirking over there. So... I just think there are some questions that warrant being like pumping the brakes on a guy that nobody was talking about outside of maybe like the James Andersons and the Eric Crosses of the world (laughs) and the Chris Cleggs of the world prior to the start of the season. Shout out to James. James was in on on that one early, way early. I'd never even heard of the guy like until he came up. Like I was like going to James's scouting report. Like what, what is going on here? Um, but that being said, like I do think we're 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 getting a little carried away. Like he should not be a second round pick. I don't think this year. I think he's going a bit too early, considering all the other talent, especially in the outfield early on in drafts. So, Chris, you're you're the Braves guy. Am I wrong here? I hope that he'll be discounted based on his postseason because he because all eyes were on him during the postseason, and I saw a lot on Twitter were like horrific plate approach, blah blah blah. He he was bad in the postseason. You know, just 14 plate appearances. It is worth noting he made tangible improvements throughout the year where we saw his K rate go down. The O swing did go down. Now the O swing was still way too high, like even towards the end of the season, but you look at the rolling graph and it, it was certainly better towards the end of the year. The ground ball rate trended downward as well. Still with the ball on the ground too much too, but the zone contact improved. So all things you like to see, I think that there's probably some league adjustment coming. I, I still love him long-term. But I, I expect the league to adjust to him a bit next year. Still think 2020 is reasonable. What kind of average we get? I don't really know. I feel like a traitor for saying this because I picked him up in the main. I picked him up in Scarf. And, you know, I did well in large part because of him. But 22.9 home run, the fly ball percentage. You know, statistically, that's going to regress. You mentioned the league adjustment. That's going to create some. I think that's definitely going to cause some regression as well. So I, I love him. I just Again, this is another guy I'm probably going in the third, 
fourth fair. round instead yeah. of late second. I just I think there will be some batting average regression, and I think it might be pretty hard. Right. Yeah. He, he the good thing is he plays an elite center field, so he's going to play mm-hmm. every yep. day. Yep. So the the lineup's the question. Like he's probably going to hit towards the bottom of the order, and that's tough to to swallow when you're oh, with your second round pick if he's hitting the seven hole. If they don't resign Dansby, that could be a different story. But I. I can't imagine after, do, right? yeah, after letting Freddie go, I can't imagine they let Dansby yeah, go. He, he's he's like the heart of that team. I mean, the Braves have had all the goodwill, though. I mean, they've locked up so many players that yeah. I mean So they can afford I, to I think, pay a guy like Swanson. Right. Yeah. I think he I think Anthropolis has earned whatever credit we're gonna give him here because he I mean, you just look at what they're loaded through the next five years. I mean, it's crazy. just yeah. it, it's crazy. And their farm system still has more talent coming up. It, it's it's yeah. amazing. I will say the last thing I'll say on Harris, yeah, the lineup spot does kind of hurt a little bit, but at the same time, he still had pretty good run RBI totals from hitting where he did. Like mm-hmm. 650 plate appearance pace of 110 runs. And quick math here for RBI, 94 RBI. So, yeah, th- does it limit him a little bit compared to hitting second? Obviously, but hitting seventh for the Braves isn't quite as bad as hitting seventh for like Pittsburgh, obviously. And- so. And, like, I don't think he's bad. Like, I'm not saying, like, he's going right. to be a boss or anything like that. I just think, like, why are we valuing him, a guy who came like came out of nowhere, had an amazing, you know, 400-some play appearances, and has some question marks over guys that had now have track records in a Rosarena, in Mullins, like, that are going, you know, a round or two later. Like, I, I think he's a great fourth-round pick. I think he's a weird second-round pick. That's fair, and I, I 100% agree with you know what you said about Rosa Reina. I was considering him with this pick along with another person that I won't say yet, see if he gets picked next three picks. But yeah, definitely, if you're in on, on Harris, you got to be in on Mullins and Rosa Reina. So I think overall, they're probably pretty damn close statistically next year, give or take. You know, obviously, a little bit each way, but absolutely agree. All right, real quick, who would you rather have next year, Luis Robert or Michael Harris? Michael Harris, because he's showing he can stay on the field. Yeah, if you could guarantee me the same number of games played, I would lean Robert, but I don't think we can do that at this point. Until mm-hmm. Robert shows me that he can stay on the damn field. And trust me, I was so – people saw me bitch about it countlessly on Twitter about how he played like 12 of the last 40 games and never won on the IL. If someone has a lot of Robert shares, that pissed me off so much. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love Robert. I think he's the best I, I saw that thread. I saw the thread on the never on the IL missed games uh, club oh, there. and Yeah, so I, I was very – yeah, I like Robert a little bit more, but give me Harris for 2023 just until Robert proves he can play like 140 plus games. I'll take Robert in the third, though. I think that's an appropriate amount of a haircut there. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, I think you're getting it pretty good. A guy that could be a top 10 player. Yeah. And you yeah. know, that's all you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Got that yep. upside for sure. All right. Let's wrap this up. Three more picks. I'll go to the pitching well. He said it's deep in his tier. Justin Verlander. He's just the ageless yeah. wonder, age 39 season. He posted 175 innings, a 175 ERA, and a .83 whip this year. Just insane numbers. He's going to fall off at some point. I'm not sure if it's he, next though? year. Based on what we saw, Like he showed no signs of falling off based on what we saw. I mean, I know his, his postseason start, you know, meh, but whatever. I'll take the 175 regular season innings of what we saw out of Verlander. And I'm pretty confident that he'll still be – Post eight posting ace numbers next year. Not going to post a one seven five ERA. At least I don't think so. But give me a three ERA with a close to thirty percent K rate. I'll be happy. And you're probably not going to see him managed as much as he was this past year so, either. Yeah. You know, it's year Agreed. two after the injury. So right. I like it. He was definitely on my short list for this last pick. 
Same. Yeah, Justin, Justin Verlander, man, he like he just boggles my mind. Like he he's one of those guys that everybody did these articles last year. Like it's like, well, this this year's Robbie Ray, right? Or or I can't remember the other guys. You know, people ask me to do the this year's Cedric Mullins article. I'm I'm doing a I'm gonna definitely do a this year's Aaron Judge article and in uh, Verlander about it. And those are guys that I faded and were completely wrong on because I, I faded Verlander and just I could not have been more wrong on just how dominant he was. And like I still don't like I had an opportunity to take him in the fourth round of this draft. I ended up passing on it for 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 Ozzy Albies, but like you're still not having to pay like a huge price on Justin Verlander, which I feel like I understand people are scared because of the age. But, like there's just no reason to be afraid. Like Yes, he will break down at some point, but you know Nelson Cruz. It took him like five or six years, you know, after people <laughs> said he was going to break down to actually right. break down. So yeah, uh, until, until he shows you that he's going to break down, I'm not. I'm not betting against yeah. Berlander. Absolutely, I could go Ozzy Albies here because I think he is just a very, very vastly underrated a guy in, in early drafts so far. I've seen him go in the fourth round of a number of drafts, including the, the one where I took him in the fourth round. But I, I feel like. He did. He wasn't underrated in the draft him currently, and he went in the second round. So, uh, but I feel like I've seen other drafts already this year where he's still going way too late. And it's JT Realmuto. Like, what more do we ask from a catcher than to like be a potential twenty twenty guy with a good average? Like, he's just a stud. Like, you know, and, and this was like a catcher bounce back year with a lot of guys coming mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere to put up really great catching seasons and catching the catcher position was a lot deeper than it's been in recent years. And still real Muto is the king of that mountain. And yeah, I mean, especially if you're in a two catcher league and one catcher leagues, obviously, you know, 10 or 12 team, one catcher leagues, you're waiting till the end to fill your catcher position unless you get just a huge discount on someone. But in two catcher leagues, like there's no better feeling than having real Muto on your team and just locking down that C1 spot. So I'll take uh, I'll take real Muto here. Yeah, he was the second catcher ever to go 2020. Yeah, the only other one, Pudge Rodriguez in 1999. It's a good list to be on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I like it, and I think the Phillies. I mean, you know, this this their success in the uh, postseason is only going to buttress their like confidence that they're going to go for it again next year, surround them with good players. So I like it a lot. I'm going to go. Final pick is a guy that actually went 25, 25. Despite a horrific first two months of the season, he's in year two of his contract. He is my number one second baseman this year, and that is Marcus Semien. Watch your league rules in Tout Wars. You'll get him at shortstop, too, because it's only 15 games to qualify there. He had 17 games at shortstop. Much better after that horrible, horrible start. It's classic year two of the big contract guy. I know at age 32, he'll be, it'll be in his, his age 32 season all year next year. I know it's... it's where you know there's a little risk of him tapering off second baseman sometimes do that but i think he's also a late starter in his career too so I, i'm actually fairly confident he puts together another strong season i take him over albies without really too much hesitation i yeah i don't, I don't have an issue with that yeah yeah not neither do I. I he was on my short list too yeah i don't people think people realize how good he was right the final like four months of the season mm-hmm. and i know chris you had a tweet about it but you know a couple couple weeks ago but yeah he was absolute nails like yeah terrible through but Memorial Day weekend, and after that, it's like you flipped that switch, and he was probably a top ten guy rest of the way. So great, great pick there too. I, I love Albies too. Albies is a guy that I would definitely, especially when you said he went pick forty eight, whatever to you and your in your fifteenth team right now, Justin. Mm-hmm. Albies, I think, is going to be a pretty good discount this year. People forget how good and how steady Albies has been. It's a twenty five fifteen guy with a bunch of runs scored. So I think Albies would be a good value too. 
Yeah. I also I also think Altuve is like right in the mix with those three. Like there's like yeah. a mm-hmm. clear top three. I mean, I don't think people realize like we got vintage Altuve this year. He you know he yeah. stole yeah. you know a bunch of bases, hit three hundred. Like because everyone hates him. About. Yeah, like <laughs> like dude was vintage a vintage version of himself, and I don't know that people are giving him enough credit for what he did. So yeah, ev- everyone sure. hates an Astro not named Tucker or Yordong because they weren't really there for all that crap. So yeah, right. everyone else like Altuve and Bregman and all them, they're like ah screw those guys. I don't want them. I I thought my my guy I passed over, and it's because I had a first baseman already, but and, and because he what's that was a Goldschmidt. It was Goldschmidt. Yeah. Number that was two the, that, earner overall yeah, last year. That that was the guy I mentioned that I was debating with him and Michael Harris for that last pick. I think Goldie's yeah. going to be – I think people are like, oh, he's going to be 35, 36. Right. Goldie is very, very good. And he's like I said, he's the guy who's played the most games over the last, what, seven years or whatever. Consistent, yeah. elite. I'd, I'd go Goldie in this spot too. I, I just want to applaud all of you and for not taking Adolis Garcia. I've been seeing him going the second and third rounds of drafts. and I Really? Just, yeah, like people are. I mean, people love confirmation bias, and and those who like, were in on him this year are are feeling pretty brazen now. We went too far, you know. People kind of were going the other way with him last year. Go like, oh, like, look at the oh, yeah. approach, and I was guilty of that too. I was one of those people, but now see him second round. Like, I think mm, fourth, fifth round. I think would be fine, just given the combination of. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not touching him. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not either, but it's a heavy bias plate approach. Like he'd have to be like an eighth, ninth rounder for me to even consider it, to be honest. Like I just, that's fair. Yeah. We saw how wrong it went with hobby bias this year. Yeah. Especially because like, he's the antithesis of what Chris was talking about with Michael Harris, which is he plays really, really good defense, which means he's going to be out there every day, which means he could like destroy your batting average every day. If he ends up hitting like two fifteen, which is easily in the range of outcomes with his plate approach. I I bet you he's probably, I bet you his ADP will be top 100 and for top 100 ADP guys, I bet you he will have, probably one of the five biggest min max ranges. You'll I see agree. like a min of like 30 something and a max of like, you know, 90 something or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I bet know. he's already going higher than 30. Oh, probably. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. You probably see him getting like 25 range. Yeah. Draft I'm looking at, he was in the fifth round in a 15 team. Oh, so it was pretty okay. reasonably priced. He was in the like fifth like round of mine, but I want to say in Paul's, he was in the second or third round. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. All it takes yeah. is one guy. Yep. Yep. Girl. Exactly. <laughs> all, yep. I did. Before- max. Before we close, I did want to mention on Simeon because you mentioned that tweet, Eric. I went back and the tweet was on September 30th, but I pulled up the stats. So it was from since June 1st. Simeon hit 25 home runs since June 1st, and only Judge, Schwarber, Olsen, Trout, Alonso, and Riley had more stolen bases. He had 19 from June 1st on. And the only hitter with 20 home runs and 15 stolen bases over that time was Kyle Tucker, who had 22 16, and Simeon went 25 19. Only two hitters scored more runs since June 1st. He had 80 runs, and RBI was still pretty solid. Obviously, not as good there, but he still put up solid numbers as well. So pretty impressive what Simeon did after that terrible start. So I I really like getting him there. Yeah, and and second base, like we said with third base, second base gets really sketchy in a hurry. I have Albies as my one, but I think one, one, two, three in any orders, Albies, Altuve, and Simeon. Then you yeah. got like Jazz, Tommy Edmond, Andres Jimenez. But then like you, you get back into the top ten. Like my eight, nine, ten right now is Trevor Story. What do we get from Story next year? Jonathan India, who I still like, but he's gonna kind of prove it that he can bounce back. Kettle Marte, Brandon Lowe, Glaber Torres. Like 
Cronenworth, it gets pretty. I mean, those are all all fine players, but guys, I'd rather have is like you know my starting middle infielder, maybe not my starting. Yeah, I was just gonna so. say wait, and you can get the cromulent guy there, the last yeah. of those, and you're fine. Yeah, it's like there's a bigger gap from like from probably about eight to like 17, 18, like the, you know, Brandon Drury's of the world. I don't think, I don't think there's a massive gap from eight to 18 or something like that. Right. It's just a matter of finding now which, which category you want to attack with the guy basically. Right. Yeah. If you want to go batting average, well, okay. Then you go Jeff McNeil. If you want to go speed then okay, fine. You go, well, McNeil actually had 23 bags last year. Uh, he stole 23 bags. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nope, 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 nope. I'm looking at the wrong line. Yeah, no, McGill's still right. I was like, what? Rewind, rewind, rewind. rewind. (laughs) I'm looking at Josh Rojas, who's right below him in our auction values. I was like, uh, how did I miss that? Wow. No, yeah, that would have been my rankings. That that would have been a record for him. No, I I, I misspoke. Apologies. Eric Erickson, number 7,000 of 2022. All right. But Um, second base is actually way deeper than I thought it would be. But like there are massive tier drop offs, and so yeah. you should, you should, depending on what size league you're playing in, you just have to want to be really cognizant of those tier drop offs. Because for me, in like playing in a lot of 15 team leagues, I want one of those top three, or I'm just gonna wait. Like I just if I yeah. don't yep. get one of those top three, I'll Same just like wait catcher. forever. Yep. Um, whereas shortstop has a lot of like really elite talent. And then there's nothing late. And so I want to make sure I'm getting like a top 10 shortstop. Right. Lindor hasn't been taken yet, but he he deserves to be in that conversation. Yep. Adamas is pretty close um, mm-hmm. to that. But yeah. And, you know, but yeah, it, it, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Adamas was really good too. He, he had a little bit of a, a slow period earlier in the year that he turned mm-hmm. it on second half as well, especially in the power department. So, yep. yeah, but I think that's going to wrap us up. Guys, thanks for joining us. This was a lot of fun. I'll give you guys the floor real quick just to plug all the good stuff you're doing. How about you, Justin? You go first. Yeah, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB, Sleeper on the Bus podcast, Friends of the Benefits podcast, TGFBI podcast, Ray Daily at Fangraphs. Got some cool projects I'm working on in the offseason that'll be coming out here pretty soon. Hopefully, a draft guide and potentially maybe a new podcast or two or something like that. So, just uh, it depends on how much I can actually get in the office to work. Uh, but it, it depends how much your wife lets you get in the office to work. Oh, she's fine letting me go in the office. That means she doesn't <laughs> have to spend kidding. any time with me. Like, you know, the, the yeah, more she, I she, she, the she more might be I in there with you. you. Yeah, she, exactly. you're turning into the generator. She might be in there we, with you. We are actually talking about restarting uh, a her and I podcast on, on fantasy baseball. So, we'll, we'll, I would that, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun to do that project with her. And so, we're, we're talking about restarting that as well. So, a lot of cool stuff coming out from, from the Mason Rotoware sweatshop. So, <laughs> awesome jeff how about you obviously we're still cranking out content at rotowire james anderson just uh, is enjoying a well-deserved vacation right now but when he comes back he's actually going to start doing some podcasts i'm taking a little bit of a longer break on the baseball side because i still do football too but projections are starting already and we're going to have some rudimentary rankings pretty quickly here i'm not going to have like the be all end all obviously there's going to be so much change but like jason collette's still writing ryan roof's still writing uh, you know a bunch of our crew is still you know cranking out the content all throughout the offseason todd zola obviously all sorts of good stuff. You guys can check it out for free trial, rotowire.com slash free. Get you no credit card. You know that. Kick the tires. Hope you want to subscribe. You absolutely should. And yeah, we still got a lot of good stuff going on over at Fantrax HQ as well. Dynasty and prospect work from Chris and I and some redraft stuff as well. Yeah, go check all that out. FantraxHQ.com as well. But that, that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. This was a lot of fun. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Justin is at Justin Mason FWFB. Jeff is at Jeff underscore Erickson. 
Chris is at Rotoclag. I'm at Eric Cross04, and our show is at Fantrex Toolshed. And check out all of Chris and my written work over at Fantrex HQ or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.